0: This week and next week, we're, we're wrapping up a sermon series we've been in called One Another, where we've been looking at different one another commands in the Bible, things we are to do with one another, for one another, to one another, so that we can be a healthy family, so that we can be healthy in the body of Christ. And uh, since there are about 59 of these one another commands in Scripture, I had to narrow it down for this series. And so when I was thinking about this week, I was thinking about which one to preach on. I think Emily and I are going to tag team one of them next week. Uh, but I was thinking about one to do, and I thought, you know, there's one command that, that I think the church really struggles with. And if you've spent any amount of time in church, you probably know this. And, and the command I want us to look at today is from Romans chapter 12, verse 16, and it's this. Live in harmony with one another. Will you read that with me? Live in harmony with one another. Now, when I was thinking about this verse this week, I was thinking about how it's, it's so easy to find examples, at least for me, of times when the church hasn't been this loving family that's unified and caring for one another and experiencing harmony. Instead, I thought about all the times where the church is more like an episode of family feud, where people are fighting with one another. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of times church folks, can I just be frank, we, we fight over dumb stuff, okay? Amen? And so actually I was thinking, is this just my experience, you know, being a pastor in church where we fight over like toilet paper brands or, or what? So I thought, you know, I'm going to ask people. So I went on Facebook. If you're my Facebook friend, you might have seen it. Went on Facebook, went on some different social media platforms. I surveyed over 100 people. Surveyed over 100 people. I got hundreds of responses, started categorizing them, and uh, we have the top answers on the board. Now, we're not going to have people come up here and, and fight and try to compete. Um, but I want you to think, and you can shout it out. Anybody think you know what the top answer is? Okay. You know, we got, we got some of those. So number six, music and instruments. Okay. I don't know if you remember the 90s. If you were in church during what was known as the worship wars, where people were fighting over, you know, is the organ the biblical instrument, or is a guitar okay, and can we have drums, and if the drums are too loud, and, you know, do we need the old songs, do we need the new songs, and if you're Church of Christ, can we even have instruments, right? Like, people have been fighting over instruments and music in church for a long time. That was only number six, okay? Number five, seats or pews. And thankfully, nobody at Harvest Point sits in the same seat each week and gets mad when when people take their seat. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, I know when you come in late and you're like, "Mm, they're in my seat, i got to go sit on the front row. we only got one person on the front row, but we have seats for you here. You know, people, you get in the pew, and and I've seen it. It can get ugly. It can get ugly. I mean, I've seen guests ask to move, not here, but in other churches, guests asked to move seats because they were in somebody's seats. So number, number five, seats, fuse. Number four, paint colors. I wasn't here when the building was built. BJ Mike can testify to some of this. I don't know. Uh, paint colors is generally controversial in the church. Everyone has their own style. Number three, decorations. Somebody told me at their church, it's a church actually nearby here, that they had a knockdown drag out fight over what color. The ribbons should be on the Christmas wreaths, gold or red. Still talking about it decades later. Lots of stuff on decorations, flowers. Where should the flower arrangement be? Who sponsored? All sorts of stuff with decorations. Number two, food. Food was very high up there. I don't know. Anybody grow up in a church where bringing coffee in the worship space was a sin? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about. And people will call you out on your sins too. So bring coffee in the words of space, the brand of coffee, the kind of snacks, whether to put, somebody said this, whether to put mayonnaise on the buns or put mayonnaise on the side. That was a fight. My aunt told me in her church there was a fight over how to cut the celery for the chicken salad, okay? We're talking about (laughs) (laughs) dumb stuff. Number one. Howard, he's a retired preacher. He might can guess number one, carpet color. (laughs) Carpet color. And that's why we don't actually have carpet here. We wanted to prevent the fight. And so we just said, you know what, no carpet. But carpet color. I, I, I heard stories about churches splitting over carpet colors. And, I mean, you have to laugh, right? You have to laugh at these things because, like, Paul sang live in harmony with one another, and here is stuff we're fighting over. But as I was talking with people about dumb stuff we argue over, of course, some people began to list things that, that aren't dumb, more important things that the church has fought over for times. So people mentioned something like, hey, the church has fought over things like the Trinity, which, which is important. People said, you know, the church has fought over baptism and holy communion and the nature of scripture and and free will and God's sovereignty and, and, and some big things. And it's true, the church, we we have we have, we fought over unimportant things, we have fought over important things. And so when I was thinking this week, it was like, man, I'm preaching on this. Like, if we can't agree on carpet color, if we can't agree on carpet color, how are we gonna agree on bigger, more important things? And I was thinking, like, is there any hope, you know? Is there any hope to live out these words from Paul? And uh, I want to say this more, I do think there's hope. I don't think it's hopeless. I think there's hope one, because in Scripture we get some practical wisdom for how we are to live in harmony with one another, how we can do this. And also, I think there's hope because when we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives and reigns in us. And if we will, as we sang, invite the Spirit in, invite the Spirit to fill us, yield to the Spirit's work in our lives, I believe the Spirit will help us live out this biblical command to live in harmony with one another. And the person writing this command and the person who gives us a lot of the the one another statements, as we've seen in the series, and and gives us uh, some other wisdom we're going to look at this morning, I mean, he is someone who knew about church conflict. It's the Apostle Paul. I mean, when he's writing to the church in Rome about living in harmony with one another, they were fighting over big stuff how Jews and Gentiles should relate to one another. They were fighting over the nature of salvation who can be saved? How are we saved? What does it mean to be saved? In his letter to the, the Philippians, he was writing to a church that had conflict. And this always gets me. In, in the Philippians, he mentions two people by name who need to live in harmony with one another. He mentions a woman named Eudia and a woman named Syntyche. And now we don't know what they were fighting over, if it was like lampshades or carpet color or what. But I've always thought, man, like we don't know anything else about them in the Bible except these two women were fighting. And Paul says, Stop fighting. He's writing to the church in Philippi. They're divided. And then he, he writes in his letter to the Corinthians some wisdom because they were fighting over a, a lot of things, a lot of big things. The nature of the resurrection, sexual immorality, litigation as they're taking each other to court, abuse of the spiritual gifts, and all of this stuff. And Paul, whenever he's writing these letters to these churches, he's urging them to live in harmony with one another, to be one in Christ with one another, because he knew what was at stake theologically and practically when a church is divided and living in disunity. He knew that theologically some of these things that they were debating over were very important, like the resurrection. He knew that it needed to be discussed, it needed to be debated upon, it needed to be decided so that the church would be one in their doctrine. But he also knew that practically, whether it's important things or especially on dumb things, he knew that practically when, when we as a church are fighting over dumb things, all of the energy, all of the time, all of the resources we're putting to those fights could be used to fuel us in the mission of God. And he knew that when we are so inward focused and focused on all of these things, we forget to look out at the world a world that is in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, when he's writing, he he knows that whether it's in big things or in small things, that we need to conduct ourselves as Christians in a certain way. We need to conduct ourselves in a certain way because Jesus says you are a city on a hill. We are to shine brightly in the midst of darkness. He knew that we're a city on a hill. We're not to be a a dumpster fire that people try to avoid at all costs. And so Paul gives some, some wisdom. He says, first, live in harmony with one another, but he doesn't leave it that general. He gets more specific in some of his one another commands, and I want to look at three of them today. And the first one, the first one is this. It comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He writes to the church in Philippi, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, But with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. This is a a good verse to memorize. Because here Paul diagnoses the problem that's at the root of so many of our disagreements in church. And it's selfishness. And it's pride. Pride. And if you think about why we, we argue over things like like carpet color, usually it's because we think we're right, our opinion matters more than other people, and we want what we want, and we want it now. We think, you know what, I I have more wisdom than other people. I have more gifts than other people. I have more knowledge than other people. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm kind of the one who should be making this decision. We we tend to put ourselves above others and through pride and selfishness, we find ourselves in this zero-sum game fighting over stuff like tug-of-war and we refuse to drop the rope. So he gives us the diagnosis to a lot of these, these issues in the church, but then he also gives us the prescription. He says this. He says, live with humility. Live with humility and consider others more highly than yourself. And so he's pointing us back to something we we talked about uh, in the first week of this series, and that's this, that in the body of Christ, we have all been given different gifts. We're all different parts of of the body, and, and the arm needs the toe, needs the ear. None of us are the whole thing, and so we need to recognize that that different people have different gifts, that we don't have all the wisdom, we don't have all the knowledge, that we have blind spots, we need to realize that we need one another in the body of Christ. And that means living humbly, putting others above ourselves, listening to one another, treating others with dignity and respect and hearing their opinions. So this is the first thing he says, consider one another as more important than yourselves. And he says, look, this will lead to harmony. But Then later he, he gives a, a, another, another piece of wisdom I, I think is a good one for us. It's in his letter to the Ephesians. They had problems like every church. And he says this to them, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. He says, be completely humble and gentle. There's humility again. It's important. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So he's saying here, if we want to point people to our one one God, one Heavenly Father, one Savior, one Holy Spirit, we need to bear with one another in love. And we need to be one ourselves instead of constantly being divided. And this phrase, bear with one another in love, it's kind of an interesting one. In one commentary, it defined bearing with one another in love like this. It said, restraining your natural reaction to odd or difficult people. I like that. Restraining your natural reaction to odd or difficult people. Do you have any odd or difficult people in your life, in your workplace? Raise your hand if you know an odd or a difficult person in this room. (laughs) I got you all there, pointing to spouses and everything. You know, odd and difficult people. I like that. That's what bearing with one another is. He's saying, look, don't just ignore them. Don't just cut them off. Don't just, you know, put your life together in a way so that you don't have to deal with them. He says, look, in the body of Christ, we don't always get to choose who's in the body. But we're here together, and we need to bear with one another and love. And this is very countercultural these days. Because now we live in a culture where it's easy to just click unfriend on somebody you don't like. Anybody in here unfriended somebody? Wow, you want to admit it? Hey, some of y'all will admit it. You can just unfriend them. You're like, I'm done with you. You can unfollow somebody if they don't share. If they share an opinion you don't really agree with, you know. Now with the internet, it's it's very easy. If you're part of a church and you think, man, there's some people that are, that are difficult and odd and hard to deal with, it's easy to go to another church to find one online or go somewhere else and start attending there only to find in about one month that there are odd and difficult people at that church and everywhere you go. They keep following you. And if you don't know any odd or difficult people in your life, the chances is that you're probably the odd or difficult person. But he says, bear with one another. Paul, who had dealt with a lot of difficult people, he knew something that we often forget today, and that's this, that every person, every odd person, every difficult person, every annoying person, every person that you just don't have chemistry with, every person who, you know, you call them hard to love, whatever label you want to put on them, he knew that every person was created in the image of God. Every person is someone Jesus Christ died for. Every person in the body of Christ has been given supernatural gifts by the Holy Spirit for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. He knew that God had sent people into our lives on purpose and for a purpose. And so he knew that that when we exclude other people and we we cancel them and we cut them off because they're hard to deal with, he knew that, that we actually can't become the people or the church that God wants us to be if we're constantly doing that. We need one another, we need to bear with one another in love. And you can make that your, your prayer. You know, some people call them breath prayers where you just say, Lord, help me bear with them in love. Okay, walk into the room. Just pray, God, give me patience. Give me patience for other people. Help me bear with one another in love. These odd or difficult people. But then naturally the question comes up, okay, bear with one another, love, but what about not like the odd or difficult people, but what about people who are, who, who are doing damage, who are sinning against us and against other people and, and wronging us and wronging them? What do we do then? And we, we talked about this this fall in a series kind of on conflict, and when we looked at the, the wisdom of Jesus, where Jesus says, look, if, if you've wronged somebody, Jesus says, go to them. Go to them, apologize, repent, seek forgiveness and reconciliation. We talked about how Jesus says, look, if if someone has wronged you, go to them. Have the conversation. Seek reconciliation. This idea is that we are the family of God. And in a family, like you're not just trying to like kick people out, right? You're trying to seek restoration and wholeness and reunification where there's brokenness. And so Paul picking up on this idea... Says this in his letter to the Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Here he says it again Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. He says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know if you've ever uh, been on YouTube and just looked up spider bite. I didn't want to put it on the screen today because it's kind of nasty. But If you go on YouTube and look up spider bite time-lapse, you, you can see what happens if you get bit by a brown recluse or, or a spider like that. And Generally what happens is it starts small, And then it begins to grow if it's left untreated, right? It begins to grow. It begins to eat the flesh. It's very, very nasty. And as it grows, you know, infection and the toxins begin to fill your whole body. And I think really that's what what unforgiveness in the body is like. When there's unforgiveness in the body of, of Christ, the resentment grows, the anger grows, the hatred grows. And so what, what Paul and Jesus are telling us is like, hey, when, when, when there's a bite, when there's, there's, there's a wound, when something goes wrong, you need to deal with it quickly and directly before it begins to spread and affect everything. So he says, forgive. Forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. And I'll be the first up here to, this morning to tell you, look, viewing others more highly than myself, it can be hard for me at times. Patiently bearing with other people in love is difficult. Forgiving people who have who have wronged me doesn't always come naturally and easily even though I'm a pastor and some people think it should. In order for me to do those things, and I think in order for us to do those things, we have to look to Christ. We have to look to Christ because if you think about all of these commands that Paul gives us here, these are all things that Christ has done for you and for me. Because in the incarnation, Jesus, who in the very nature is God, what did he do? He emptied himself and he came into our world And took on the role of a servant. He served people constantly. He put others above himself constantly. And and ultimately he laid down his very life for us on the cross. So that we could have salvation. He constantly put others above himself and his own interest. Even unto death. Jesus, he patiently bore with people. You read the gospels and you read about the disciples. Sometimes you get this image that they're a bunch of knuckleheads. And Jesus was very patient with them. He didn't say, you know what? Get out of here. We need a new crop of folks. He loved them. He bore with them in love. And guess what? When you're a knucklehead and you're difficult and you're kind of annoying, Jesus bears with us in love as well. He doesn't cancel us. He doesn't exclude us. He patiently Bears with us, and when we see through the cross, is that Jesus, He forgives us. He forgives you and me when we wrong Him, when we wrong other people, when we make idols, when we do all sorts of dumb and not only dumb but sinful things. He is offering us forgiveness, and we have that forgiveness through His sacrificial death on the cross and through His resurrection, which He did all of this so that we could live in harmony with God and with one another. And so when we think about these commands that Paul gives us, we need to look to Christ because when we look to Christ, we have the model. When we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit fills us and it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to actually have any hope of living in harmony with one another. And this week I began to think, you know what? What if when people like looked in at the church What if when they looked in, I mean, just imagine if instead of seeing people fighting over toilet paper brands and paint color and carpet color, what if instead of seeing people fight over all of these petty things and be divided and have all these factions and have first church, second church, third Baptist church, fourth Methodist church, like what if instead of all of those different things they looked in and they saw something else? I mean, imagine if they looked in and they saw people who served one another. Who cared for one another, who loved one another. What if when they looked in, they, 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 they looked at our church and they said, I don't understand how all these people get along. Because we got Democrats in here, we got Republicans in here, we have black people in here, we have white people in here, we have age. Like, what if they just looked in there, they're like, I don't understand how all of these people are getting along, but they saw that we are bearing with one another and love across many divides, across many differences of personality and all other things. I mean, just imagine if they said, man, these people, they forgive one another. They're striving to live in harmony with one another. I think what would happen is if, when people did that, I I think our church would grow. People would want to be a part of that community. I think our communities would be transformed as they saw the church as a witness of love and light. I think our, our world would begin to change. And it happens when we yield To the Holy Spirit. And we say, Holy Spirit, not my will be done, but your will be done. Holy Spirit, fill me with patient love. Holy Spirit, give me the ability to forgive others. And I believe that when we yield to the Holy Spirit, harmony is not only possible, it is God's preferred vision for our church. And so, would you pray with me as we ask God to make it so? God, we confess this morning that we often fall short. In our hearts, we often hold resentment, anger, disdain for other people. We need you. We can't do this on our own. We need you. We need your love. We need your power. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your presence. We need you to make us one. One with each other. One with Christ. And one in ministry to all the world because we know that our oneness is our witness and you want every single person to be a part of the family of God and to know your saving grace. So God, we pray that you'd help us today take whatever step you're calling us to as we pursue harmony together. In Jesus' name, amen.